something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm Ben Bolin. And we're going to talk about a, uh, a topic today that comes from a listener. Uh, his name is Mike Galinsky, and he's from New England. And he wrote in, I think it was near the end of October when he wrote in, and he said that uh, he would like to hear a little bit about GT cars, or Grand Touring cars. Uh, because the GT label, as he says, has been put on a lot of different cars, but many are not true GT cars, and maybe kind of a history of what Grand Touring cars really are. Oh, Mike, 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 you've opened a dangerous door, my friend, because this reminds me of the debate over, you know, muscle cars or mm. something. It comes down to some fairly passionate opinions, and we'd love to explore them. So, uh, I found a funny thing in an article. What does GT mean? If you had to guess, no, Greasy Tailpipe is wrong. What it means is Gran Turismo um, or Gran Turing. Uh, the term Gran Turismo comes from Italian, and it refers to cars that can make the long-distance Grand Tours in a luxurious manner. Yeah, that's right. And and when we say long distance, we're talking about cars that supposedly should have the ability to cross entire continents at top speed, yeah. you know, if, at uh, at a at a at a good clip, you know, at a high rate of speed, and to do so, and this is the most important part, probably, I think, in this whole thing, because there's sports cars that will do that, right? Yeah. The, the most important part of this is that it can do it at speed, but it can also do it in comfort and provide, you know, like the thrills that the driver wants when it when necessary. Mm-hmm. But the the the, uh, the focus in, G- in GT cars is that it's it's not only powerful, it's not only big, it's not only comfortable. The handling is really great. Mm-hmm. There's room for luggage. Uh, there's room for people. You know, you're not crowded in. Uh, these are these are the big, big cars that we don't necessarily think of as GT cars because it seems like a lot of manufacturers like to slap a GT badge on any kind Anything. of sports on any kind of sports car or any other car that yeah. they have and say this is our GT model. And you know, it's got a little bit a little better performance, and we're going to call it a GT model, but it's not necessarily a true 
grand touring car. And, uh, and, and that's where the history bit comes in. And, and yeah. Mike, I'm really glad that you mentioned this because this has been, this is a debate that's gone on a long, long time. Right. Yeah. Um, and Scott, when you said they'll slap a GT badge on anything, I was thinking the same thing as we were prepping for this podcast. And I, I can't help but imagine a world where there's a Honda Odyssey GT. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> there might be. You know, that's the thing. I mean, they're a little bit more careful with it than that. I mean, right. they may throw it on a, you know, put it on a Mustang, and and that's debatable. And that's actually, as we'll find out, that's one of the cars that is truly considered a grand touring car. But right. I've got a I've got a whole list that I want to cover later. Yeah. Um, and I also want to talk about uh, road racing. Um, some, you know, some of the road racing cars and the difference between touring cars and sports cars, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about NASCAR. Yep. Uh, we want to throw a lot of different things in here, and I think, man, I think maybe the first thing we need to do, Ben, is we need to um, go back to some words by an author who's, uh, his name is Sam Dawson, mm-hmm. and Sam Dawson wrote a book uh, that was called The World's Best GT Cars, 1953 to 1973, and he gave us an idea or an outline of what the the characteristics of a true GT car should be mm-hmm. and and there's maybe like four or five or six points here that I think we really need to make and and do you want to just kind of go down the list with me and, yeah. and we'll talk about that because th- there's some quotes here that I think really are, are directly the point of what we're talking about today yes and you've uh, provided these quotes uh, as much as I wish I had found these because these are great these are gold Scott uh, all right. This is one that we've already touched on. The ideal is of a car with the ability to cross a continent at speed and in comfort, yet provide driving thrills when demanded. Okay, and then the second one is ideally the GT car should have been devised by its progenitors as a grand tourer with all the associated considerations in mind. So all descendant cars prior to this one should have had uh, the idea that everything kind of leads up to the grand touring vehicle. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, third point, it should be able to transport at least two in comfort with their luggage and have room to spare, probably in the form of a two plus two seating arrangement. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's got ample seating, right? Yeah, it's That's, got uh, room. Yeah, lots of room. And the comfort, again, comes back in. And the whole luggage thing, there's got to be room to spare. You can't be crammed in with your luggage. You can't be, uh, you know, in an uncomfortable situation. Grand touring cars are all about comfort, luxury, speed, performance, all of this is all all wrapped in one, but so often we'll find in in sports cars that the luxury component of that or the comfort component of that goes right out the window. Yeah. You know, they sacrifice those things, the the comfort and luxury for performance in a lot of cases. And this is a best of both worlds Mm -hmm. thing. And the engines. Now, the engines, that's a big part here. Uh, They should be able to cope with with cruising comfortably at the upper limits on all roads without drawbacks or loss of usable power. So these are big powerful engines. A lot of times these are big V8 engines, mm-hmm. V10 engines, even stronger. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, you know, long, long front-end cars, you know, rear-wheel drive a lot of times, mm-hmm. front-engine cars mainly, although we'll find that some have mid-engine or rear-engine. Right. Mid-engines are usually sports cars, but uh, we'll talk about the nomenclature that goes with that later <laughs> as well. Good. Uh, the, yeah, and this next one I, I want to point out might sound a little bit fluffy to people, mm-hmm. but there is it is important, and it's a good distinction. Here it is. The design, both inside and out, should be geared toward complete control by the driver. Now, at the surface, that might sound a little silly because every driver is supposed to be able to control their car, right? I guess so. But they're talking about something a little bit different. They're talking about uh, going back to the point of the demands the driver can make of a GT car. This this car could be a slow, uh, you know, a slow, luxurious roll 
through the mountainside. But then, depending on what the driver wants to do, then it can morph into a beast, you know, yeah, and hit like some a, hairpin curves. Well, like I said, a spirited driver, you know, through yeah. the rest of the time, when needed. That's the, that's the thing. You gotta have the, you gotta add that little asterisk and say, when needed, this has to be able to be uh, almost like a sports car, perform a luxury performance car, something yeah. like that. I mean, we're making up different brand or different uh, marks, I guess. But um, yeah, luxury performance, uh, um, luxury. Uh, I don't know. There's a whole different group that we should talk about. But, That's um, true. All right. So the last one is uh, chassis and suspension, and uh, those should provide suitable handling and, and road handling on all routes during travels. Now, that's kind of what we've been talked about talked about already. That um, that you know, the chassis and suspension should be somewhat softer than a traditional sports car would be because sports cars are typically very hard they're very yeah. uh, very crisp handling you can feel the road yeah exactly and there's there's a little less road feel in a GT car but um you know you still get the idea of the sensation of the road but not mm. quite as you would in a in an all out sports car right and uh if we could talk just for a little bit about history sure okay just just for a note to put this in context um, the original GT cars come to us in the early 20th century. So mm-hmm. these are, is actually a, a fairly old tradition mm-hmm. in the automotive world. Uh, and the, some of the original manufacturers were high end guys like Alfa Romeo, Lancia, Ferrari. Um, as soon as Gran Turismo cars came out, Scott, they got super popular in North America and in Europe. Yeah, that's right. Because people realize that you know this kind of is the best of both worlds, right? I mean, it, it allows me the uh, the ability to cross the continent if I want to, or to make uh, you know even if it's just a couple hours. You're driving a couple hours and up into the mountains to a yeah. uh, chalet or whatever you're going to do is you know skiing, whatever. Yeah. And uh, and then let's say on the way back you want to stop off at the Nurburgring mm-hmm. and uh, do a lap there, then you could do that as well, right? Now, yeah. That's that's a crazy example, but I mean you could do that. In a yeah. Car. You you really could do that in a GT car, and I don't think that's a crazy example. I think it's a perfect example of why someone would want a GT car. And what a great weekend that would be. And what an amazing weekend. And also, if we consider when these came out, I'm getting a lot of this from this great article, What Does GT Mean? Um, One of the interesting points that the author makes here is that up to the dawn of the automotive age, Mm -hmm. uh, travel was a lot more difficult. People might not travel for just leisure or adventure. But now the GT car came at a perfect time where if you could afford the car, because they were never cheap, if you could afford one, then you could just hop in one day and say, you know what? I've never been to Poughkeepsie. <laughs> yeah, quite quite a distance away, right? I mean, right. you could, you could travel, travel a long leisure. distance, but you wouldn't be completely exhausted when you got there because right. you know, in a in a car that, you know, is is punishing to the occupants. Um, and, and I'll be honest, I've had some cars that are punishing to drive. They really are. <laughs> I mean, it, it it takes its toll on your body after, you know, a couple of hours in the behind the wheel. Yeah. Um they're, they're fun to drive, sure. They're sports cars, they're they're, you know, um Small, you know, two seat type roadsters or whatever. You but know, they're, they're work to drive. Yeah, they are. They're, but they're great fun for short bits of time. But you're not going to do any kind of endurance driving in them. And this is what these are all about. And, mm-hmm. and these are the types of cars that we will see in endurance racing. We'll talk about racing as well. But, you know, I want to mention just a few examples of grand touring cars. And there's a, a long list. You can find a list just about anywhere of GT, you know, GT touring cars, 
Um, I, that's redundant, I guess. Grand touring cars. Um, but you know, you'll find a lot of the the uh, the list is something that you would say. Oh, yeah, I kind of could agree with that. You know, like the Aston Martin cars are on here, like the big Vanquish models, the DBS. That makes sense. Uh, Bentley Continental GT Speed models and the Brooklands and uh, I guess some Maseratis even. You know, even though those are, those are more performance oriented, but look at some of the new coupes that are coming out. Those are definitely Grand Touring cars. Yeah, good call. But then there's some surprises on here as well. Like, um, you know, they listen to they list the uh, Dodge Challenger as a GT car. Now, from 1970 to 1974, and then the 2008 to present version uh, is listed as a GT car. I understand, you know, that the it's it's a good big car. You know, it's got a powerful engine. It's good for you know driving long distances. Yeah. It can also be a spirited driver if you get the SRT version. Yeah. But I don't know. I just I, I hesitate to put that in a GT car. Um, um, category, I guess. Does it have the? Does it have that luxurious kind of aspect? I well, think that might be what's missing. Well, you know, the other thing is like, look at look at the list, and it says Hyundai Genesis Coupe. Now, I understand, you know, the the big four door version, the big sedan that they had, yeah, the Hyundai yeah. Genesis. That's a that's a very comfortable big vehicle that you know you could take tour long distances in but the Hyundai Genesis Coupe I mean it's a smaller car it seems more like a sports car to me uh Ford Mustang also makes the list which I mean it's had the GT label on it for a long long time um yeah. I don't know I just don't see it as a long distance comfortable luxury type vehicle something that makes me crazy is when people say well I had this career before but it was a waste and that's where the perspective shift comes that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. 
We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And let's also make a, a point here that's super important. Uh, the uh, the term, and I'm getting one of these notes from you, Scott, uh, the GT abbreviation, mm-hmm. um, you yourself call it one of the misu- most misused and abused terms in motoring. Well, that's not my own words, but uh, yeah, it is. It is definitely misused. I mean, it's 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 often, like I said, I mean, at the beginning of this, that it's often slapped on the back end of the car just to give it uh, some some performance aspect, I guess, or appeal. Maybe that's right. the way to say it. You know, that, that it has just a little bit. A bit of an edge on the other versions of the car, like the, uh, I'm going to make something up, the L version or the LX version, and they yeah. put the GT version out there with just a little more horsepower, a little more torque. Sure. And give it a, a manual transmission, and then they call it a GT, right? Yeah. Well, well, that's not necessarily following exactly what we're talking about with the, the standard definition of the true GT automobiles. Exactly. Past. But, you know, the, the, the term or the variations of GT, there's so many different examples of this. I mean, there's, yeah. there's the GT, there's GTO, GTS, sure. uh, GTB, GTI, GT, mm-hmm. GTX, um, yep, GTA, there's GTAM. E. Yeah, GTC. I mean, you can you can go down the list. I mean, GTR for the you know the new Nissan. Right. I mean, there's examples of all these, and of course, you know that they, they fit into it for the the category for the manufacturer. You know, the manufacturer thought, well, this is a car we're going to put our GT label on. It's going to be you know one of these variations of it. Yeah. But um, it is often misused or or misrepresented, and I don't mean to be a stickler about it because I I'm not one. I'm not a purist. I'm not one to say you know that you can't call that car a GT car. That's that's not a true uh, a true Grand Tour from, you know, the past. It doesn't fit the definition from the 1920s. Right. But I, I do say that, you know, I mean, if you're going to have a, uh, I'm, just an example, I mean, like a um, Nissan Leaf GT, you know, if it ever comes out or something like that, you know, I would I would have to argue with something like that, you know, or, or you know, some of these compact or subcompact cars that use the GT label, like, remember the Escort GT? Yeah. Uh, that that wasn't a luxury touring car of any kind, <laughs> but they put the GT label on it. Um, so, you know, they have their own, uh, manufacturers have their own way of designating what they want to put the uh, GT label I, on. I think it's fair to say they have their own somewhere between rationale and rationalization for it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm just still, I'm still thinking about that Honda Odyssey GT. Uh, Scott, before we move on further, I have to, uh, I have to check something with you. What's that? Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. Is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And with that, we return to GT. Now, we, we just left off talking about all the various spins on the GT idea that people have. I'm going to call yeah. them spins, like GTR, GTA. Yeah, sure. The, the abbreviations, the characteristics of the brand, uh, we, or not the brand, but of the, the make, I guess. And, and we've talked about, you know, some examples of grand touring cars. Right. Now, I want to talk about maybe just briefly, if you don't mind. Sure. The, the difference or the differentiation between touring car and sports car, because you know, when you get into racing, you get into, um, you know, what the way people uh, decide to label these things. Uh-huh. There's very, very little. It turns out there's very, very little difference between a touring car and a sports car. And, and in most cases, uh, what it happens to be is just the way that it's, you know, the nomenclature, the way that it's named or the way that, that, that it's traditionally been used, I guess. So, right. The precedent. Yeah, exactly. So if the series was started as Grand Touring Series. You know, with with race cars, then they're going to continue to call the cars that compete in that series that group Grand Touring cars. Mm-hmm. Now, if it started as sports cars, they're going to continue to call those cars the same thing. But there's a lot of overlap between the cars that run in both of those different race series, and it just comes down to, I guess, the tradition of the two separate groups and and what they typically have used in the past and what mm-hmm. they continue to use today. Well, there's one really interesting point here because the FIA. Uh, classifies GT car, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. in a very open way, a very open definition. You ready? Sure. An open or closed automobile which has no more than one door on each side and a minimum of two seats situated one on each side of the longitudinal center line of the car. These two seats must be crossed by the same traversal plane. This car must be used legally on the open road and adapted for racing on circuits or closed courses. Oh, so it can be adapted for racing. Yeah. It's a coupe. So yeah, two door coupe, and they right? spend so much time in the definition of where the well, seats are. With two seats, I mean, uh, or you know, two seats or a two plus two, as we mentioned, you know, yeah, and, and two plus two. Just so, if anybody doesn't know what that is, it's usually 
two two in the front, and then of course in the back there's two. But there's like it's kind of like room for two kids, maybe like yeah. two small adults, maybe would be the way to say. It that. would have to be tiny. A lot stuff. of times you'll see that in sports cars, you know, where they have the back seat, and you look in the back seat, and you realize like, well, that's not much of a back seat. Yeah, you know, the the seats are exactly right up against the back end. You know, the cushion yeah, is more the back. like a nook. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, a nook for the kids. That's a yeah, good way to say. Uh, it. But the um the reason that I read out that whole definition mm-hmm. is just to dovetail onto your point, which is that there is so much overlap because if you read that definition and you listen to it again, it could totally be a sports car. It, it could be. It could be. Now, the other thing is that you got to remember that touring cars are traditionally based on family cars. And it can be, this can be a hatchback. It could be a sedan. It could be an estate. So that's, that's the traditional way that these things have been done. Now, yeah. hatchbacks are kind of new, I guess. Uh, but sedans and estates. So, you know, when you think of sedans, that's a, that's four door. Yeah. Um, estates, those are four doors because we're talking about wagons. There's, I mean, really, it's a wagon car. That's so true. these are great big cars. Uh, but GT racing cars, now they're, they're, they're like, a, a, like a powerful, um, extension, I guess, of that. You know, like, let's say that you have a, uh, a brand that makes a, uh, a, a vehicle that is a sedan or in a state wagon or whatever. Okay. And, and they have, you know, they can make a GT car. That's fine. They can, they can modify something to work that way. But, a lot of times sports cars like Ferrari or Lamborghini or something like that, they're also considered GT cars. And, and, you know, they're, they're not necessarily a luxury car. I guess they are in that, you know, they cost $400,000 or whatever they cost <laughs> and they have luxury appointments, but they're not necessarily like the big comfy plush, sure. uh, Bentley type vehicles. You know, they're, they have a different ride. They're, they're completely different animals, really. Uh, but they're still considered GT cars. So, you know, there's this, this really gray area, I guess, where, you know, there's all this, this crossover between what's allowed in GT classes. And, and I think, you know, okay, I've got two things that I kind of need to need to talk about here before we wrap up, and right. and, and I do want to talk about I want to talk about Grand Am Road Racing, which is GT racing really here in the U.S. and Canada, mm-hmm. and then I also want to mention um, NASCAR, and I think I want to do that first because this is just really a, a short blurb, maybe. And I don't know how much more you have on GT cars, Ben, but I don't, I don't want to cut you off here. But, oh, I'm all ears with NASCAR. Uh, all right, so, so NASCAR, a lot of people will say, well, you know, why why aren't NASCAR cars GT cars? Oh, I'll do it. Okay. Hey, Scott, why aren't NASCAR cars GT cars? That's a fantastic question, Ben, and I'm really, really <laughs> glad you asked that. And I, I don't, it's like you read my mind, but NASCAR cars of today are not GT cars. Now, I'm not saying that NASCAR cars of the past were, but they were closer to GT cars because, yeah. um, they're not truly derived from production cars. You gotta remember that NASCAR cars today are kind of a shell that looks like a certain type of vehicle that's put on top of a uh, a body that you know is is a shared or custom design that NASCAR and the manufacturer had developed. Yeah. It's not it's not the production car that we think of when we think of stock car racing of the past. And now even in the past, now, uh, here's the other complication, Ben. You know all yeah. these all these little asterisks that we have to add to this to this definition. Um, I guess touring cars traditionally or exclusively used to race on road courses and street circuits. And this is, you know, historical definition of these things, right? So American, you know, NASCAR cars typically or predominantly run on high-speed ovals or some variation of that. Yeah. And, and there's very few times when they run on road courses. They do, but um, again, they're not, they're not the derivative exactly of the of the production version of that car they look similar um, right they carry the badging as you said that's a shell it, it's pretty much i mean it's definitely a shell at this point because it's a nascar developed chassis engine yeah. design and all that stuff it really isn't a production-based 
derivative the way it used to be in the past in let's say the 40s 50s 60s which makes them not gt cars okay so that's uh that's that's how they handle nascar and they decide that you know it's, it's definitely not a gt series okay yeah but what about grand am now grand am definitely is a gt series so they have gt classes i guess and um it's it's kind of an old class i guess in as far as sports car racing goes um it's both national international in competition um historically you know these have been production-based cars or street cars that have been modified for the track um and you know i struggled with this a little bit because it doesn't seem again like these are true gt cars but you know they're modified they're they're adapted in a way that they're equalized and they and the equalization is a big part of grand am racing because you've got so many different types of cars racing in different series now the GT Rolex series, which are, are unibody production cars, or, or sometimes they're custom two-frame chassis cars, which, again, there's a big difference, right? Yes. Well, huge difference, but they do have these equalization methods that they use, which uh, deal with vehicle weight, tire size, and engine RPM limits. Uh, but otherwise, you know, you're looking at pretty much a, a stock, and I, I say stock in, you know, finger quotes. Right. Um, you know, uh, let's say... a you know, an Audi 5 liter V10 or, or it's a uh, BMW or it's a, you know, Ferrari of some kind or a Mazda 3. They all race together in the same class and they do that via, like I said, you know, the vehicle weight, the, uh, the tire size, the sure. engine RPM limits. Yeah. And they all run different engines and they're all the different weights and heights and, you know, they've sure. got all these different variations, but they run in the same series, same GT classes and endurance races and they all have, you know, a ballpark figure horsepower of like 390 to 450 something like that for the right. series um it allows them to have all these different variations on the track at the same time running competitively against one another but just for example i mean the audi 5 liter v10 yeah uh, that runs against the 5 liter bmw uh which runs against the 5 liter ford engine and which runs against the 6 liter gm pushrod engine okay. um and you know mazda has a, a rotary engine um, right yeah so you know what it's strange. Porsche has a flat six, but they're all in the same class because of the way they equalize the series. See, okay, this is what I have to ask you, because I'm really glad you brought this up. Just in your opinion, we're not going to hold you to this, not me, not the listeners, just in your opinion, Scott, do you think this equalization works? Does it make a level playing field? I absolutely do. You do? Now, I know that there's body differences in these things, but they do run very similar times, uh, you know, time lapse. They, they're yeah. very, they're very competitive. If one, if one series or one group rather of cars, one make of manufacturer of cars was completely running away with things, they'd change it. They would, they would adapt it in some way to make it a more level playing field. And that's what makes the series interesting is that, mm. you know, over 24 hours, there can be quite a bit of difference, distance rather between, you know, the first place car and the, and the, you know, second, third, fourth place car sometimes. But see, now we're seeing a lot of races, these even 24 hour races, 12 hour races. You know, I've got examples of all these different races and series where cars, you know, in the, in the same class, different makes models dramatically different bodies yeah. um, are running very, very competitive and very, very close at the end of 12 and even 24 hours of racing. So that shows me that it's very, very level. All right. Well, I'm glad that you said that. Not everybody agrees with you. Mm, I don't think so. I mean, yeah. and there's also cases where some run away, you know, and then, and then, you know, of course, something is, you know, there's always some kind of new development that leads to that. Like, you know, Audi comes out with some new technology that allows it to be, you know, seven laps ahead of everybody else at the end of the 24 hours. And then next year, you know, someone will catch up and then, and then it's like this cat and mouse, this back and forth. Well, yeah. And it drives such innovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still reminds me of one of my favorite podcasts that we've done. Not one of our best, just one of my favorites, which was, you know, innovations that come from racing. Sure, that was probably a very old podcast. It is a very old podcast. But, but the idea holds true in that, you know, that, that it, it 
creates this incredible competitive spirit between the drivers and, and the manufacturers and the, the guys in the, in the shop that are tuning these things. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it makes it that much more exciting to watch as well. All right. Last, the last question on GT before we go to listener mail. Okay. I hope we haven't confused a lot of people. No, there's, no, there's hopefully we've we broken it down. Uh, maybe. Uh, it's so, still kind of gray for us. So here's <laughs> the question. What's your favorite GT car? Oh my gosh, Ben. Wow. My favorite GT car? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with one of the great big touring type cars. I'm going to say like, uh, and I, I'll just look at my list here because there's, there's a couple of, um, like the Bentley cars. I like, I, I do like the Continental GT Speed. The Brooklyn's is nice as well. I, I think I like the big, and I'm surprised Rolls Royce isn't on here as well. You'd think that they would yeah. be, but I think Bentley has more of a performance edge than, than Rolls Royce does. It's strictly luxury. Rolls Royce is way more on the luxury. Even though they're side. incredibly powerful engines, but, right. um, I'm going to say, you know, in, any of the Bentley cars and maybe, Boy, I'm giving you two answers. I'm going to hey, say go for it. Uh, the Aston Martin. Maybe the Aston Martin Vanquish. It's one of my favorites. Ah, uh, did I pick yours? <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, well, definitely, I'm in the Aston Martin <laughs> side of it too. Sure. I just I don't understand how um, anyone could dislike those cars. Maybe someone will write in and let me know uh, if you have beef with Aston Martin. Uh, I'll hear you out. But you better have a good explanation. <laughs> so, what's your favorite, Ben? Do you have a Do you have a favorite? Have you? Have I, I got to tell you, man. Um, DB9 might be it. Really? Okay, so another Aston Martin pick. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd take any of the Aston Martins. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm gonna say though, like, let's just say that you're uh, you're you're touring across Europe. Okay. okay, all the way across Europe. I mean, completely right. across the country. Yeah, and and you decide, you know, I'm I'm gonna make this. Uh, I'm gonna make this a fast trip. I'm gonna go end to end as fast as I can. But you know, I, I want to be in in you know touring in luxury. Right. I, I think the Bentley is maybe the choice. Yeah, the Bentley is but is more of a traditional GT mm-hmm. for sure. And we've got some adaptive like there's there's this kind of balance. Even though GT cars are supposed to have both luxury and the performance, if we look at it objectively, then it's more of a ratio. There's a ratio between these. So mm-hmm. Bentley Bentley hits it pretty well. But then there are other things like the Dodge Challenger would be a little more performance, a little less luxury um, in that ratio. Okay. So I, I think there's some variance there. Yeah, I guess. And and, and you said it, uh, I guess the uh, Aston Martin that you mentioned, it tips the scale a little bit more towards performance versus luxury. Yeah. And, and as far know. as uh, quiet, you know, the interior quiet. Oh, comfort. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, in the Bentley, I mean, you can hear a pin drop in the Bentley, you know, when, yeah. you're, when you're driving at 100 miles an hour. It's like that sprint commercial. But in an Aston Martin, I mean, I'm hoping in an Aston Martin, because I don't know, but if you're at 100 miles an hour, hopefully you can hear that beautiful engine, you know, the beautiful engine note, I guess. Oh, sure. Growling uh, like a tiger. And the exhaust. Yeah. I mean, that's what you want to hear in there. You're not going to have the radio on. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully uh, there's a little bit of variation in there. A lot of difference in, in a lot of these cars on this list. And mm-hmm. I mean, Ferrari or something like that, or, you know, the difference between that and uh, uh, we'll see what else is on the list here. Uh, some Nissans, some some big Mercedes cars, yeah. which uh, I'm sure you know, quiet comfort as well. Uh, those those seem to be the cars that I would pick. The big quiet comfort ride type vehicles for a favorite GT. Yes, and which one would you pick, listeners? Uh, why don't you write in and tell us? But before you do, stay tuned for this piece of listener mail. Scott, this is a recent one. You know, uh, sometimes you and I get backlogged on our listener mail. Oh, yes, we do. So I'm sorry to work from the most recent back, but Reza B. writes into us, and I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, R-E-Z-A. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's right. That's okay. Uh, 
says, I just listened to your Nuts and Bolts podcast and was inspired to write in myself. I have a suggestion for a podcast. In-house tuning companies like AMG for Mercedes-Benz, Nismo for Nissan, and Abarth for Fiat. You could also do a podcast regarding aftermarket tuning like Hennessy and Roosh. You know what's funny, Ben? What's that? I gave you a list probably about two months ago, I think, yeah. with some ideas on it. And I think we had talked about some in-house tuning places. And we talked about BMW M cars, which mm-hmm. is one that we've already done. We yeah. talked about SRT for the Dodge line. You know, they used to be a division of Dodge, but now they're on their own, I think. And we talked about, uh, let's see, Ruff we talked for about Porsche. AMG. We talked about Roush for, for Mustang. Yeah. We talked about a lot of different things, you know, doing a lot of different things here. So, Reza, you're reading our mind. We've got, uh, we've got a list. Um, that's already kind of cooking, and we've done one or two off of these already, I believe, mm-hmm. or at least we've, you know, yeah, touched on them. At we're, least we're we're sniping on the list, yeah, we're cherry we, picking. We, we kind of are, but that's a fantastic idea, Reza, and we're going to go with some of those ideas. I promise. Yeah, and uh, thanks so much for tuning into the show, listeners. Do you have a take on GT cars? Because we'd like to hear it. What's your favorite, least favorite? Tell us more. You can find us at Car Stuff HSW on both Facebook and Twitter. Oh, hey, we have a website called CarStuffShow.com where you can see our uh, ugly mugs all over the Internet and uh, some beautiful cars yeah, as well. Well, our podcasts are there. Yeah. Uh, you can get to the Facebook page from there, our Twitter feed. You a couple can get videos. you got yeah, a blog. Some videos, a blog. Yeah, we've got a lot of information there. It's a good site. And you can always send us an email directly. Our address is? CarStuff. At discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.